Hey there, and welcome to Vibrancy with ADHD. Trying to improve our health and wellness with ADHD can feel like an uphill battle. Neurotypical advice tends to be complicated, rigid, and quite honestly, kind of boring. Us ADHDers thrive off of fun and need to be supported by people who just get us and the way our brain works. And most importantly, we need to feel encouraged and inspired instead of shamed. No falling off of any hypothetical wagons here. I'm Chelsea Eithoven and I'm a health and mindset coach who was diagnosed with ADHD at age 30. Stick around and together we can explore, learn, and play our way to a more vibrant lifestyle. Hey, hey guys, welcome back to Vibrancy with ADHD, or welcome if it's your first time. Hello, I'm Chelsea Eithoven, your host, and I'm so happy that you are here. I have a very special treat for you guys today. This is a little something different. Today, you're going to be listening to actually me get interviewed on another podcast, and I think you guys are really going to love it. So I have a lot of people reach out to me that are early in their diagnosis process with ADHD or like me, they are in their 30s or you know late 20s and they're just learning about ADHD and they want to know what the diagnosis process was like. They want to know what my experiences were like. So I have a lot of people that obviously are here for wellness and wellness ADHD tips, but I know that there's a lot of you guys too that are just here to listen to another adult with ADHD that was diagnosed late in life and hear about my lived experience and kind of resonate. A lot of you guys really resonate with just the way I think and the way I do things. So I knew after we finished recording this podcast, I absolutely had to share it here for you guys too, because I have a suspicion that a lot of you are also part of the late diagnosed club, right? And so you might find this conversation very interesting to listen to. So this conversation is between me and Lindsay Preston, who has quickly become a friend of mine. And we actually met through our podcast editor. Lindsay and I have the same podcast editor, Paroma. And this experience was just such a great reminder that, you know, technology is freaking cool. (laughs) I'm just, I'm really appreciative of the fact, and I feel like I say this all the time, but the fact that So Lindsay, myself, and Paroma are all in three very different parts of the world. And well, Lindsay's also in the United States, uh, but Paroma is in India. And but Lindsay's in a different, you know, we wouldn't be able to connect in person if we didn't have and connect on such a deep level if we didn't have the types of technologies that we have today. So I just think it's so cool that social media and technology, there are downsides, no doubt. And it catches a lot of flack from people. And, you know, I feel like, especially in the wellness world, there's a movement to like ban technology and try to go back to our roots as much as possible. And while it's true that yes, there are downsides and we, you know, being addicted to our technology is definitely not a good thing. And it can cause harm in some ways everything is nuanced. And it's also really magical that we get to connect with people all over the world. So I am in Mississippi in the United States, and I'm curious where you live. If you feel inspired to shoot me a message on Instagram and let me know where you are listening to this from, because 
there's people all over the world that listen to this podcast and that continues to blow my mind. So shoot me a message on Instagram. Say, hey, if you haven't already, don't tell anybody else, but you guys are like my favorite, like the podcast listeners that, that reach out to me. Oh, just my favorite because I feel like with a podcast, you really get to know somebody on a deeper level. I feel like the people I listen to podcasts, I feel like I'm like invested in their life. And I'm so curious. You probably feel the same way, right? It's just so much more personal. So anyways, reach out to me on Instagram. Say, hey, if you haven't already, part-time wellness is my new handle. I'll put it in the show notes and we will talk about that change very soon. But let's go back to the interview because I just went off on a major tangent. (laughs) Okay. So who is Lindsay? Lindsay is a leadership coach for women and she helps women own their power. And she works with a lot of female entrepreneurs. Now, she's also the host of Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast, which you are 100% going to want to go listen to, especially if you are a female entrepreneur. And Lindsay is currently going through the process of an ADHD diagnosis. So this conversation between us is just us kind of chatting about our lived experience of being diagnosed later in life, what that's been like for us, um, which we both had different experiences. She is currently going to Dr. Amen's clinics and getting the brain scans to pursue an ADHD diagnosis. So it's kind of cool to hear about that side of things as well. I think you might be interested in that because if you listen to my diagnosis story, that is very different from mine. Um, And we also just talk about the commonalities that we have. Um, She asks me a lot of my experiences, what it was like pre-diagnosis, what kind of made me suspect ADHD, and, and what life's like post-diagnosis. We talk about medication. We get into all the things. And of course, she asks me some of my wellness tips and my biggest thoughts on wellness for ADHDers. And I think that you guys will find what I say very interesting. And so I'm just excited for you to listen to this. And it's just an excellent interview. We get into so much. And Lindsay, as you'll see, is such a driven, inspirational growth-driven woman. So she is really constantly seeking self-growth, learning, continuing to grow in her business. And I've noticed that this is a pattern for ADHD women, right? It's such an incredible benefit that we don't really talk about a whole lot, but drivenness can be a sign of ADHD, right? It's not all bad things. So I think you guys are going to love Lindsay. Make sure that you go over and follow her on Instagram. Um, The link will be in the show notes. And go check out her podcast, Become an Unstoppable Woman. It is incredible. So before I dive into that interview, I want to give you guys a quick update too. So I am taking a little break from the podcast and... You know, what's funny is this is actually inspired by Lindsay. She is honoring her process and she is honoring what's going on for her right now through this this change and this big understanding of herself getting her ADHD diagnosis. And she's taking a little break from her podcast. And that kind of inspired me and reminded me, oh, yeah, I'm allowed to do that, too. Right. Sometimes I forget, hey, this whole thing is like in my control. I can choose if I take a break. Right. So I'm taking a little break. It's just a short one. Honestly, I have, I still have a bunch of podcasts that I'm recording in this time that I'm taking a break from pushing out podcasts. And I have three 
amazing guests coming up for you very soon. I have those scheduled to record very soon. You guys are going to love it. I'm so excited. But the reason I'm taking a little break is because for the month of November, if you're listening to this in real time, it's November 2021. And if you're listening to this later, that is what I'm talking about. But for the month of November, what I'm focusing on is energetic decluttering and decluttering in general. So as you know, if you listen to this at all, something I really like to do is have one habit a month that I focus on. And sometimes instead of that being one particular habit, it's one overarching focus or theme or, you know, practice. And so for this month, I'm really focusing on energetic decluttering. And the whole concept of this is that instead of constantly pushing to move forward, move forward in my business, get more clients, create more content, push out new content, create new podcasts, just move forward, 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 get new things. You know, what am I manifesting next? What am I getting next? What am I doing next? Instead of consistent, like constantly pushing forward, I'm putting a pause on all those things and I am looking back and I'm cleaning up behind me. I don't know about you guys, but this is something that's so difficult for me to do. (laughs) Like that's the understatement of the century. I, as we know for ADHD years, finishing something is very hard. So the last 10% of a project or anything is the hardest part because I just want to move on to the next thing which means that I rarely, um, or I used to rarely reflect, look back, see what things were working, what things weren't, and just kind of clean up after myself before I move on to the next thing, physically, mentally, like literally and energetically, right? So this month is really about that. And I truly think that this constant moving motion, forward motion mindset is a couple things. Number one, it's probably a coping mechanism that I picked up for my ADHD. As we know, as ADHDers, we just don't have the mental capacity or (laughs) rather we have so much in our brains that we're so overwhelmed at all times that we really got to pick and choose our battles. And a lot of times that means, you know, just saying, whatever, I'm just moving on and moving forward. Instead of focusing on this last task, I need to focus on getting this next thing done by the deadline it needs to be done, right? So when you have to make a choice between moving forward or looking back, a lot of times you just got to keep going, right? It's like, it's a very survival mode mindset. It's also very scarcity mindset as well, right? Like I, I felt like if I stopped and paused for any period of time, if I stopped putting out content, if I stopped putting out podcasts, if I stopped moving forward, pushing, 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 then, you know, everything would shrivel up and die essentially. (laughs) And that's just not true. As I've realized that, and as I've continued to shift my mindset through the years, I came to the realization that a focus for me that would benefit me is looking back and energetically decluttering. I have all these things that are actually clogging up my energy. And when I say energy, yes, I mean it in the woo-woo way. I'm very woo-woo and everything is energy. So an energetic way, um, mentally, I have a lot of mental clutter physically in my space. As we know, us ADHDers tend to collect physical clutter and emotional clutter, right? All of that needs to be cleared out so that I actually have space for new things to come in. 
So it's been a really enjoyable process so far because I can already see the benefits. And what I'm planning on doing is after I kind of spend this whole month doing this, I am going to try and create this as a practice moving forward to maintain, right? So maybe that looks like a few days at the end of each month, or maybe that looks like a full week at the end of each quarter. I'm not exactly sure, but creating some systems to maintain this energetic clearing is I think just going to be massively beneficial moving forward. So I think I'm going to record a whole podcast on this, but I'm going to really quickly share with you a couple ways that I am decluttering this month if you're interested in this concept and want to try it for yourself. So number one, let's talk about, I'm going to talk about mental, physical, and emotional declutter. Mental decluttering, I am starting to create some systems to clear out all of these things that have been building up over time. So things like open tabs on my phone, like in the internet tab, I have like 20 of those open, but things that I want to remember that obviously I'm never going to remember, right? I'm never going to look back on them because they're just so chaotic. Same thing for my notes app in my iPhone. I have 5 million notes. My Amazon cart, I put things in there to remember and it's just filled to the brim with stuff I'm not going to remember. So energetically, I'm decluttering all those things and either organizing them into Notion, which, uh, is incredible and I just started using, or I am deleting them and get rid of getting rid of the things that are no longer relevant. And so that's been such a fun process. I had so much stuff saved and I don't know how to find it later. So I'm just trying to put that all into a more organized situation. By the way, this was inspired by Michelle from Holisticism, which she's Holisticism on Instagram, and she exposed me to the world of Notion and I've been going down a rabbit hole. It is like the best organization system for my ADHD brain. I freaking love it. Anyway, so that's one way I'm mentally decluttering. It's kind of just dealing with that kind of stuff. And I'm also doing some tasks that have been on the back burner for literal years, like updating my passport. I hope the police aren't listening to this podcast because my car tag has been expired for at least a year. When I moved from New Orleans, I never changed my car tag and that was two years ago. And so anyways, stuff like that, that's just been in the back of my mental space for years. Um, A 401k that I, from six or seven years ago that I just never retrieved the money. Like I have literal money sitting in an account somewhere that I never retrieved. I'm going through that process of finding it and like getting my freaking money. So those kind of things that just slip through the cracks when we have ADHD, right? I'm clearing up some of those things or at least starting the process of remembering what things I need to do. <laughs> so that's my mental decluttering on a physical level. This is super exciting. We are moving this month. We've been building a house for since February of this year. And the process of finding a house has been a year and a half in the making, you know. So we are moving this month finally in two weeks. And so we are decluttering our house, our physical space. We're, I'm bringing a ton of stuff to Plato's closet. Closet I'm not vibing with anymore. Honestly, if I don't love it, it, it needs to go. Unless it's like a basic, you know, that's going to go with something I love getting rid of a bunch of clothes and not being stingy about it, not being like, oh my gosh, I want to sell it on Poshmark and make as much money as possible. 
letting, you know, who cares if I get $3 for it and I paid $50 for it? Somebody else will find value in that and that'll be a great find for somebody else. So I'm kind of shifting my mindset on that and just releasing things that are no longer aligned bringing a ton of stuff to Goodwill, donating just a ton of stuff and also stuff that can't be given to Plato's Closet or Goodwill. I'm, I'm just parting with it. I'm letting go, you know, I'm getting rid of a lot of stuff. So that's been wonderful. And that way we can move into our new space without a bunch of junk, right? <laughs> also doing a lot of dancing and breath work to move physical energy through my body. And that has been really magical because with my surgery, I haven't been doing as much movement as I like. And dancing is such a great way to move energy through your body. And on an emotional level, this might be the biggest one. And this one thing took me a week and a half to mentally and emotionally process. But I Emotionally, my way of decluttering is that I finally, yesterday, had a very hard conversation that has been has been needed to be had for years about boundaries with someone very close in my life. So that was the most, maybe one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my life, honestly. It was terrifying, but emotionally, a weight has been lifted off of my chest, and it was just a great thing. So anyways, and I've been doing some somatic release, like just kind of letting emotions flow through me how they want to and not hold them in, right? So anyways, this has been a really great experience for me. Like I said, I will maybe record a whole podcast on this, but because of this focus for the month, I felt that it was aligned instead of pushing forward and continuing to record podcasts to take a little pause, right? A little rest, a little break from the releasing of new content to clean some of this stuff up. And if you feel like inspired by this, then I encourage you to do the same thing, right? We don't always have to be pushing forward, forward, forward. Sometimes we got to pause and clean out before we can move forward, right? So that is why I'm doing a little pause on the podcast. Like again, like I said, it's going to be pretty short, probably just a month. But in the meantime, go find me on Instagram, find me on TikTok and come join me on those platforms. And I will probably still be posting things. I know I'll still be posting things on my Instagram story, just sharing with you, you know, my normal life. And also if you desire support in the meantime, and as always, if you want help with your health and wellness habits and all that good stuff, come join the Habit Edit. Put the link in the show notes for that as well. That is my health and mindset coaching membership for women with ADHD. That will still be open to join. Um, and I will still be, of course, paying attention to that and, and moving forward with my clients in that space. So that is it for my little update. Um, this intro was quite long, but I just wanted to share that guys, th that stuff with you guys before we move on. So anyways, I hope you enjoy this episode, this conversation between Lindsay and I, and make sure to go follow her. She is incredible. And I hope you guys li enjoy listening to our conversation. So without further ado, this is a candid conversation between me and Lindsay Preston about late ADHD diagnosis. Okay, Chelsea, I've been waiting for this interview for a really long time. <laughs> like, who's going to be my person that's going to talk about ADHD? And here we are. Like, I'm getting chills just thinking about it. Okay, so first off, before we get into all the things about ADHD and women, 
let's talk about your journey. And I know there's even a Mel Robbins tie in there with this. Yes. Yes. Well, first of all, I'm just as excited as you. And when you said you got chills, then that made me get chills. I feel so honored that I'm the person that you picked to talk about this topic. This is going to be so fun. Okay. So yeah. So the tie with Mel Robbins, let's actually start there because there was this weird, it was kind of like this intuitive hit. Somebody randomly mentioned to me in a conversation I think I sent her something with Mel Robbins. I can't remember exactly what the situation was, but Mel Robbins came up somehow and she said, yeah, she's the one that helped me realize that I have ADHD. And I was like, well, that's interesting. And I have no idea what really sparked me to look into it. Or I guess I do know what sparked it. I had recently become an entrepreneur and I noticed a lot of struggles with focus And with my limited knowledge of ADHD, really all I knew about it was focus. And I just noticed I had been having a lot more struggles than I did in my previous careers. So previously I was a kindergarten teacher and when you're teaching kindergarten, you're bouncing around all the time anyway. So I feel like it just kind of lended itself to not really needing to pay attention for very long. So I was really like zoned in on the focus piece and I just started researching and opened up a can of worms and was like, holy cow, this is so much more than I think it is. And (laughs) as I was doing research, I was just like, how is it possible that every single one of these things is hitting the nail on the head for me personality wise, like my, my personal experience. And I've never even considered this. It was just mind blowing. Yeah. You said this on the podcast I was listening to this morning, Chelsea is that a lot of us think ADHD, we think boys bouncing off the walls and we're like, well, we're not that right. But a lot of us walk around with like, it's just something's missing. Like that's how I would describe it. Like there's just something like, and then, so we internalize and we think there's something wrong with us. We're weird, we're different. Um, it's just like, I knew I grew up and just looked around constantly and was like, why, what is different about me? Like something's off here. And I can't put my finger on it. Yes. Is that how you felt too? I felt like I didn't feel like other people would think the same way I think. So I would like explain my thought processes to someone. I'm like, well, you don't see that connection or like, you don't, you don't think in that way. And they're like, no, And I always felt really misunderstood in that way, but I never put two and two together. Yeah. I was just, I just thought, honestly, I thought I was some unique, special being and that nobody else was like me until I met a community of other people with ADHD. And I realized there's a ton of people out there like me. And it's actually been really cool to connect with people. I feel like I've been able to connect with people on a deeper level because I do feel really seen and understood by other people in the ADHD community, which has been really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So for me in my journey, you know, it was like these thoughts of okay, what's wrong with me? Something's off. I'm different. And then when I experienced coaching as a client, you know, I did personality tests and one of which was the Myers-Briggs. And so I got the result INFJ and especially that in was like, oh, you're just a big thinker. Only 25% of the population has this. INFJ is the most rare type. And I was like, oh, that's what it is. It's just, I, that's why I think differently. Right. And from what I've heard, I don't know if you've heard this too, Chelsea, is that most ins on Myers-Briggs do have ADHD. Really? Yeah. See, I did that. I've done like every personality test under the sun. um, And most of them are saved in my like hundreds of phone 
Safari tabs that are open, but I don't know what that one is because I accidentally closed it one day and it was a long test. So I didn't go back to do it again, but I think I have an N in mind too. I'll have to do it again. So I'm because curious. even on your podcast, you were talking about like, I see patterns. I like put things together and I'm like, yeah, that's totally N, right? Yeah. But who would have known it was ADHD? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But going back to your journey. So you were a kindergarten teacher. I remember you saying you became an entrepreneur. You're like, why can't I get these certain things done? I'm just like not showing up. Is there something like, am I lazy? Was something you kept telling yourself, right? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so then you, you dug deep into ADHD and you're like, oh my gosh, this is it. And then how did you get diagnosed? Yeah. So I just realized I did feel like I was lazy and I couldn't get things done. And now I realize it's because having outside structure is really important for ADHDers or for some ADHDers. But on the flip side of it, we want freedom, right? So entrepreneurship is like this really weird in between where you have the freedom, but you don't have the structure. You have to create the structure for yourself. So what I did to get diagnosed, I, I didn't have a doctor at the time because hello, I hadn't gone to the doctor in years. I hadn't gone to the dentist in years. That was just one of the many things that was kind of slipping through the cracks is like how I like to like say my life was prior to diagnosis. There was just so many things slipping through the cracks constantly. So I found a doctor and just went to a general practitioner and just told them, I'm not sure what this is going to look like or what. And I was really nervous. And I know a lot of other people feel that way too, to go to the doctor, feel like you're going to be judged. A lot of doctors may think that you're medication seeking or something like that. I know that's a fear for a lot of people. It was for me. And it was kind of confirmed in that first conversation I had with the doctor. She opened the door and like, obviously I talked to the nurse first. She opened the door and she said, you want ADD medication? And I was like, what? No, (laughs) I want to find out if I have ADHD. I don't know anything about this. How do I get a referral? Because I wanted to do the official diagnosis. So there's a few ways you can do it. You can get the official diagnosis, which is more expensive. It takes more time. It's like over the course of three appointments and they're each like an hour long. There's an interview and a long test, et cetera. Or you could just go to a psychiatrist and talk to a psychiatrist and they can diagnose you. I did not want to go that route because when I was about 23, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And now looking back, I really think that that was a misdiagnosis for ADHD because one of the ways that it does show for me is that emotional roller coaster, right? And so I wanted to make sure I was like, I don't want to just get another diagnosis slapped on me. I don't think that was correct. Um, I hadn't thought like resonated with that for years. And so she sent me to a psychiatrist and I got the official diagnosis, which In the grand scheme of things, it wasn't that long. It took from about November of 2020 to February or March of 2021 until I had my diagnosis, but it felt like the longest period of my life, which is the period that you're in right now. So maybe you can relate. (laughs) Totally, totally, totally. Like I have my brain scans and then there's like a month before they like sit me down and I'm like, we've got to move that appointment up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you're doing the brain scan. So that's a whole new way to do it. So what's that experience been like? Yeah. So I'm just starting it. And actually after our interview, I'm going to fill out all this paperwork. 
And then I meet with somebody and we discuss the paperwork. And then I do a brain scan where I'm at rest. And then a brain scan when I've done something like some kind of work. And then they set me down and they say, okay, here's a healthy brain. And here's what your brain looks like. And my thought is that they're going to say you have ADHD. My thought too, is I have inattentive ADHD, mm. but I know um, where I'm going. It's the Amen Brain Center. They have like seven different types of ADHD, which blows my mind. Um, so who knows? It'll come back. And even there's a part of me that's like, what if it's not ADHD? <laughs> like... That was my fear. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's really something wrong with me if I don't have a name for it. Like, what is, what is this? Yeah, for sure. And then you have those fears, like maybe I am just really lazy, but you're like, but I'm so driven at the same time. It's yes. such a, it's a very yes. confusing experience. Yes. <laughs> right. I mean, and, and I want to touch on that is like a lot of people with ADHD, it's like they're in, they're out they're passionate. They're not passionate. Yes. Yes. Um, and so for me, like when I'm working, it's like, you know, what we know now is like hyper-focus in a lot of ways of like, here we go. And then I'm exhausted. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh my gosh, I need three hours of rest from my like two hours of work. Yes. And I look at people on Instagram, especially like these influencers that like, look at my life. And I'm like, she goes from like this to this, to this, to this. And yeah. that's where the thoughts started to come. as like, what the hell is wrong with me? Like, why can't I do all of that? I can't tell you how much I relate. I I will watch people's morning routine and I'll be like, you do more in the morning than I do all day (laughs) because I do that exactly what you said. I hyper-focus for an extended period of time. And I'll be honest, there's some days where you can't, you can't make the hyper-focus happen. Unfortunately, Um, you can't force that, that moment. So some days it doesn't ever come, but it happens. And then it's really draining because you're so mentally involved. Then you do need, it's more of like a cyclical experience is what I'm starting to notice is that like, there's these periods of highly driven energy, and then you have to kind of recover for it. Or at least I'll speak for myself. That's how it's been for me. It's been a very cyclical process. And previously I was trying to fight against that and trying to be that person like you were talking about these influencers that are just so consistent in their entire day, they're working or they work really consistently. And I was like, why can't I do this? And I'm starting to learn to lean into that natural cycle a little bit more and trust it. And it's actually been really beneficial for my productivity. Yeah. Now, when you say cyclical, do you have it relate to your period at all? Because I'm finding that that's what's true for me. Yeah. So the interesting thing with me is I love the menstrual sinking, learning about it. There was a point of time that that was my hyper-focus and I was studying it and teaching it and learning it. And it's just so much fun. I have not noticed, but I haven't explicitly tracked very well, really strong connection between different parts of my cycle and how my ADHD symptoms are. Although I know a lot of women do. For example, a lot of people say like during their period, they are really low energy, like what you would expect. I don't Mm -hmm. find that to be the consistent circumstance for me. So it's kind of Mm -hmm. interesting. Yes and no, it's cyclical, but mine doesn't seem to go exactly with my cycle. Yeah. So what does your cyclical mean? Chelsea, I'm curious. It just means that there's less of, like, I always compare myself to my husband because he's like just the most consistent being there ever is on the (laughs) planet. Like, and that's men in general, right? But mm-hmm. like, because they don't have a menstrual cycle, they don't have a, a infradian rhythm, but his energy is consistent where my energy is sporadic. And same with my interest and my excitement and 
my, just everything is really cyclical. It kind of goes in those highs and lows. And so it makes, it's like, well, no wonder I got diagnosed with bipolar disorder. For me, that's kind of how it shows up. But I'm realizing that there's a lot of other people that experience ADHD that way as well. Oh, totally. And even going back to the bipolar disorder, I've had clients with that. I mean, they've realized in time it wasn't bipolar. And then now we're like, oh, it's, it's ADHD. And even in my world, we have what's called these inner mean girl voices. So it's like these voices of the ego and one is the vacillator. And it was a voice that like, I didn't, wasn't aware of at the very beginning until I went to a couple's coach and I was doing some couples coaching with my husband. And she was like, Lindsay, you have this vacillator voice. And so you have this roller coaster. It's like, you love it. You hate it in or out. And so then again, I was like internalizing like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? Like I have this horrible voice and I've even finding now having ADHD in the mix is like those with the vacillator have a, it's just ADHD. Like that's mm. what it is. And two, it can attach to our ego with that. Right. But so many things. And I, I love how you took the time to really get the right diagnosis because it is so important because it is so painful to be given something that's not true because then you just go down this path of things that aren't even you know, the right fit for you. Mm. So once you had your diagnosis, so Chelsea, what I know you've talked about this on your Instagram and it was so inspiring to me. I remember the post. I think you were like in an aerial position in aerial yoga, but you said (laughs) something about medication. And so Mm. you started taking medication. What has that been like for you? So that was, gosh, I mean, my diagnosis, it's kind of hard to distinguish what the difference comes from really, because the diagnosis itself comes with so much self-knowledge, so much opportunity to learn from other people with ADHD and change the way that I operate. So that's changed a big portion of my life. But medication, I think, has had a really big and positive impact for me. So I was really afraid of medication because I've heard all these horror stories, right? I've heard people talking about just, I mean, you hear all the horror stories, right? Like that you can get addicted and it's like, oh, it was terrible for me. It made me feel terrible. All these negative symptoms, yada, yada. It made things 10 times worse. And I was really afraid. I And so before I started medication, I told myself, if it has any kind of negative impact in another area of my life, so areas of my life that were going relatively well. Now that in comparison, after post-diagnosis, I'm like, well, they weren't going that well, but you know, but areas that were going pretty well, if it had a negative impact, then I was going to stop it because it's not worth it to me to have focus. And then other areas of my life crumble, right? Like not being able to sleep or eat or all these things that people were saying. Mm-hmm. The biggest difference I've noticed, so I started low dose of medication And a few weeks after I was on it, I realized something. And that was that my entire life up until then, I kind of was experiencing, I guess I could describe it as like a low level dissatisfaction. I always felt like I was seeking something else outside of me. And I felt Mm -hmm. like I was constantly seeking and I didn't realize it until I was no longer in that state, but I couldn't be happy in the present. It was like, okay, I'm going to be happy when we go on this vacation. Okay. When I, you know, my body looks this way, when my business is this way, when we build this house, when we don't live here any longer, it was always. And once I got the thing, 
I moved on to the next thing because I was like, well, satisfaction isn't there. It must be in the next thing, right? And that was also showing up in purchases, right? Impulse purchases and food, seeking food and come to realize all of that, I think, was just my brain seeking dopamine. So a big part of ADHD or like one of the differences in the brain is that there's a lot of differences in dopamine production and our dopamine isn't able to get where it's supposed to go in our brain. So we're kind of basically dopamine seeking machines, (laughs) essentially. Mm -hmm. And I realized that that's what I always thought my dopamine was going to come from. So that's a big, huge difference that's come from medication for me emotional stability. That's one my husband always talks about because I was very, you know, could fly off the handle at any moment. And I've been so much more emotionally stable. I didn't realize how much I was still, I had worked so much on my relationship with food prior to my diagnosis, but I was still doing a lot of overeating and eating that was me trying to get dopamine. Right. Mm. And so once those, your brain's kind of balanced out in that way, I've had a lot of positive experiences. And personally, I've been lucky enough to not have any of the negative side effects people have talked about. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny because even this morning I was working out Chelsea and I'm in this phase now. So my big intention for the year was joy expansion. And so when you set intentions like that, of course, all the shit comes up of like, here's what's (laughs) stopping you. And so the whole year it's been like, why can't I just enjoy my life? Like, why can I not take it in? I have like, everything is so good. And then again, this morning I was working out and I'm getting really frustrated with it. And it's like, what the hell is wrong with you, Lindsay? Like, why can't you just enjoy the moment? And then, you know, those negative thoughts start to spiral. So just hearing you say that Chelsea again, like allows me to take a deep breath of, okay, it's just ADHD. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with me. Like my brain, like you said, it's just seeking that dopamine. It's that hyperactivity. I've even heard Dr. Amen talk about it this way is with women with ADHD. It's just like constantly of almost like an addiction to personal development or that drive. (laughs) Yeah. Or like it comes out anxiety, depression, because the brain is just like, give me something to like Mm -hmm. process here. Um, yes. So yeah, that's huge, huge. Um, and I know I see a lot of your stories too, where you're talking about how you've slowed down a lot mm-hmm. and you take a lot of time off. Do you feel like post-medication, it's been easier for you to just be still and present? <laughs> that is one thing that I still have an extreme, extreme difficulty with <laughs> is being mm. still. Cause I do have a little bit of that hyperactive side to me physically as well. So I, you know, and that's one thing that she said, I mean, you see me, I'm like constantly moving. I, they said in my diagnosis that I um, was constantly fidgeting, which I didn't even notice, of course. But, and so I think just like physically sitting still is really hard for me. And my brain, I've just kind of learned how to enjoy and be present in ways that work for me. Right. So Mm -hmm. I can be present just like, dancing or going for a walk or engaging my brain in a way that's exciting for me. It's like organizing, taking more time to do those things versus before where I wasn't necessarily allowing myself to have breaks or rest, but I was still taking them because I was scrolling on TikTok, right? I would start scrolling and my brain just needed something to engage it, but I didn't want to do the thing that I was supposed to do. Right. Mm, So yeah, I'm just kind of almost swapping it out now for things that I actually enjoy. 
But yeah, that being said, I don't know if I'm necessarily more still. I yes. did also want to make a clarification to you are saying, you know, these are things that are just ADHD. And I want to be very clear because something I've noticed a lot is psychiatrists and psychologists on TikTok just saying, be very careful to make sure you're not saying your symptoms are everybody's experience, right? So mm. everything I'm sharing is my experience. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. Yeah. So I don't know if they're necessarily the markers, right? It's always good to talk to a professional before you self-diagnose. Yeah. So yeah, not yeah. saying that you are, but I was just putting that out there. Saying, no, like, I'm so glad you mentioned <laughs> that because it's true. It's like, everyone's a little bit different. Even when I, I think I mentioned earlier with Dr. Amen, it's like, there's seven different types of ADHD and there's other things in there. But two, I wanted to mention too, is that, you know, kind of sometimes we can maybe just say, oh, that's ADHD and maybe be dismissive of it. But really it's a, a mixture of things of like, okay, maybe having a diagnosis like ADHD can get you closer to being the person you want to be and living the life you want. But also there's mindfulness in there because that's what I hear right. from you. Um, right. and like coaching tactics and other development things in there. And so we can't just all lean on, oh, I'll get this diagnosis and every problem will be solved. Right, right. And you know what? It's funny. A lot of the work that I've been doing, I obsessively binged Kristen Carter's podcast. I don't know if you've, if you know her, you're familiar mm -hmm. with her, but her podcast, I have ADHD. And then I finally joined her coaching program. And I, it's a lot of the same work you do right around thoughts. And so I've been just deconstructing from the moment I was diagnosed, all of these thoughts that I thought were personal character flaws, I've been learning that they're just thoughts about myself and I can change how I think about myself. Right. And just mm -hmm. doing a lot of thought work and basically giving myself self-compassion for not being the way that society expects us to be right. And allowing myself when I got diagnosed, I thought, okay, great. I'm going to get medication and then I'm going to change and I'm going to be able to be like everybody else. Right. I'm going to be able to do the things I can be productive from nine to five. Like I've always wanted to be like those girls, those influencers that like you see, and we want to be like them. That was my expectation prior to diagnosis. At this point, in my journey, I'm realizing it's really actually been less about changing me and more about discovering me and finding, peeling back all of the layers of the things that this doesn't fit with me. This doesn't work for me. So I'm going to let go of that and I'm going to do things my own way, you know? Yeah. So shedding like society's layers in there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's been a big theme. <laughs> yeah. For, I feel like I've been doing some of that work myself, Chelsea. I've had an anti-racism coach. And so part of that journey, I didn't know it going into it of deconstructing my own place in society. Right. And part of that is, you know, when you don't have a neurotypical brain, of, oh, here's all the ways in which I experienced ableism and I didn't even realize it. And so then once you realize that you're like, oh, that's why I have this thought and this thought and this thought and this thought, when really it's just like the system is flawed, not you. Right. Yeah. Right. And learning how to love that and, and redefining what success looks like. Right. Right. And I've loved that. I've thought about that every time I listen to your podcast, how I like how you bring that into the conversation. Cause that is something we don't see a whole lot in the coaching, the coaching world, right? There's a lot of white women in the coaching world. And I've noticed like a lot of your conversations around anti-racism and I really respect it and love that about you. So that's just a side note. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Chelsea. 
Okay. So we've kind of talked about some qualities with ADHD and women. And I know we don't want to generalize and be like, if this is it, this is ADHD, but can we just do like a running list? Yeah, absolutely. Of just, I can just share bits and pieces of what my experience kind of was like. Is that what you're looking for? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. So yeah, like I said, kind of how it felt that low level satisfaction, dissatisfaction was a big thing. The constantly seeking something outside of me. Also the theme of things slipping through the cracks was huge. I felt Mm -hmm. like I was one unpaid bill away from just falling through the cracks, like spontaneous combustion. Like I can't even explain it. And there was a lot of damage control after my diagnosis of kind of just like getting my shit together. You know, I was just like, I just, there was all these parts and pieces of my life that were just like, so disheveled. I had a 401k. I've two 401ks I'd never touched. And I like, was just like, I can't handle it. I can't figure out how to find it. Even though it was my money, I would buy presents for friends and I would never send them because I forgot about it. You know, I would, you know how families send Christmas cards, like at Christmas time, my husband, before we got together, he would always send as a single man, a 4th of July card of him and our now bloodhounds. (laughs) And (laughs) so we send 4th of July cards instead of Christmas cards. I was like, we'll keep that tradition going. That's fun. And this year on 4th of July, like the week before 4th of July, uh, we found a stack of the 4th of July cards that I was supposed to address half of them from the year prior and send them out. And I only realized then a year later that I never sent those out. So half the people on the list never got their card because I never filled out the address or sent them. (laughs) And it's pretty much just things like that all throughout my life in every area. It wasn't just one area. It was career. It was home. It was family. It was friends, right? Never remembering to reply to text messages, just, I feel like I was always behind. That was a really common theme. And that caused anxiety. I feel like, I feel like I've had a lot less anxiety since my diagnosis. And since I've been able to clean some of that stuff up, I guess you could say. Yeah. Poor memory was something that was also really prevalent for me and really worried me. My, my grandfather had Alzheimer's and I was always like, what is wrong with me, with my memory? That was one thing that really scared me. I was like, I constantly am walking into rooms, forgetting why I walked into them, leaving cabinet doors open, uh, silly stuff, you know, but forgetting things, just constantly forgetting things, you know, especially I would like open a computer tab and I would be like, why did I just open that? Or, you know how people say, write it down, you know, get out the notebook to write something down and forget what I was about to write down and be like, dang it, what was the thing? <laughs> My memory, that was something that I, I'd taken every supplement for memory focus that is on the market. <laughs> and I'd never realized that memory was something associated with ADHD and something that ended up being my life's work, which is my relationship with food and my body was a really big struggle my entire life. And it was something that a few years prior to diagnosis, I started really working on and decided that I wanted to become a health coach and help other women work on it as well. But like I said, 
right up until that moment of diagnosis, I was still experiencing some of the things and being like, why? I know, I know all the ways to like, I'm helping all my clients through this, but I'm still struggling with it in some ways. And now I realize a lot of that was dopamine seeking. Mm. So that's something a lot of women with ADHD struggle with and men. It was just a lot of this feeling of like, I don't feel like I I ever really felt like I could trust myself, you know, like I just always was letting myself down. And that was a lot, like I said, a lot of this is like self-concept of working through. I just thought this was all me and my personality and took it on as personal failures. And now I realize there are workarounds, you know, that's the great thing is that when you get into the world of other people with ADHD, it's almost like everybody comes together with little things. This worked for me. Oh, this worked for me. Oh, this worked for me. And all together, we kind of like, because as ADHD years, we hyper-focus on like one particular thing and we get really good at it, right? We obsess over it. And so I feel like all these ADHD years have this one particular thing. And it's this beautiful thing where we all come together and can learn from each other's hyper-focuses. <laughs> totally. So, Yeah. Yeah. That's such a great list, Chelsea. I'm racking my brain of like, what else do I see? One thing I see often is, you know, I think they talk about this often as a, as a quality is the people with ADHD. They're just like a little bit rebellious. (gasps) Ooh, yes. (laughs) How can I forget that one? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause I also just thought it was part of my personality. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I even see this with my 10 year old daughter who I think has ADHD of just like, you're not going to tell me what to do. Mm. (laughs) And I think that's why too, I'm questioning a lot of things in society all the time of like, it doesn't have to be that way. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Yeah. I'm 100% that way. And I was definitely a troublemaker because the biggest thing when I was a kid, and I remember this, I would get so mad when I was ever told because I said so. When my mom mm. said because I said so, I'm like, you need, I need a reason, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> my rebellious side can't just be like, just because you said so, you know, and I'm still very much that way, yeah. you know? Yeah. I was just telling my husband this the other week. He wanted me to apologize for something. And he takes when I don't apologize right away as disrespect. And I finally broke it down. I was like, it's not that I don't want to apologize. I have to just like really understand like like what I need to apologize for. And if I'm on board with that. Right. (laughs) It's like, we need to know the why, right? Like I need to know the why. Totally. Do anything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I mean, I think the big thing too is if I'm because my realm was like personality tests and that's where I started to see patterns among myself and clients. And so when I started to have clients with Clifton strengths of learner ideation, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of some other, even focus, some clients I would get, they would have focus and they'd be like, that's so weird. I have focus because sometimes I can really focus, but sometimes I can't. And now mm-hmm. I look at that and I'm like, Oh yeah. ADHD ideation. They were all over the place with ideas learner. It's like I'm into something and then I'm out of it. Even input, um, which mm-hmm. is kind of like learner of, I want to gather all of these things and have all these things. And then I'm kind of over it and it's hard for me to organize it all and do all the things. Yes. And so again, it was like, I was looking at through a string slums, which is a beautiful thing, but I didn't quite put it all together of like, Oh, that's ADHD. But now mm-hmm. I do. Mm. I did the Clifton strengths because I heard it on a podcast. Uh-huh. It was actually a great procrastination tool for something else. 
I was like, I'm going to do this test instead. This looks fun. But I believe I had the ideation and the learner. I can't remember my others, but I know my top was future, future, futuristic. Yes. And I wonder, I had this thought, like, I wonder if other ADHD, I don't think that's necessarily like an ADHD one or anything like that's tied Mm -hmm. to it, but I wondered if it was why I get so hyper-focused and obsessed with self-development, you know, like always looking to the future. What's next? What's next? You know? Yeah. 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 It could be because you're like seeing the 10 steps ahead of like, here's where it's going to go. Um, another, I'm glad you mentioned that because another one that I see often is activator, which is kind of the opposite of futuristic. In some ways I have clients that have a mix of two, but activator is like, I can, I'm really great at taking immediate action, but my follow through. Yes. Yes. That's another thing. Yeah. Novel. So novelty seeking, um, was, is a big one for me too. I get bored really easily. I'm like, yeah, super excited in the beginning and kind of fizzle out, you know, and that's Mm -hmm. something I'm learning about myself and learning that when I have that immediate urge to move on to the next thing, I can do that in certain areas of life, right? I can do that in lots of areas of life. I can change my house a million times. I can do a million different workouts. But like when it comes to my work, it's like, let's resist that urge and kind of that's a place to not change your niche every five days, which is like, totally. And that was my problem in my business at the beginning. I'm like, why am I not? Cause I was changing everything all the time and I was just mm-hmm. not getting the success I wanted. Now I know it's probably ADHD. The other thing I wanted to mention is, Oh God, I had it. Now I lost. Sorry. <laughs> that's, that's a thing too. Yeah. And that's another sign of ADHD. Is it's like, just funny. Cause the more I learn, I'm like, I'm like, Oh, I, I started this series on Instagram where I'm like, is this just my personality or is this ADHD? Because they're it seems like everything I learn about, I'm like, do I even have a personality or is it all just tied to this one thing? Because yeah. I'm starting to doubt I have a personality at all. You know, yeah. it's kind of funny. It's been yeah. kind of a funny I remember thing you saying that on your podcast is like all these things in my personality are now all tied to ADHD. It's wild. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, I know what it was. I got it back. Is the feeling <laughs> of overwhelm I find is really common. And it's like, why do I feel so overwhelmed? My life is not that overwhelming. Yeah. And I truthfully still do a lot of the time. And I, I think it's because, you know, a, a neurotypical brain can think in a linear fashion, right? It can stay on one source of input. It can stay on one task. It's not that we can't stick, like, keep our focus in one place. It's rather that we almost, we can't filter the things around us. So we're focusing on everything. So for me, what that looks like, and you can probably relate is just the flood of constant thoughts. And so it's almost like there's so much always coming in and I don't know how to prioritize it. That's something that's really difficult for ADHDers is prioritizing what's actually important and what is not important. Like what that's something that's a big difference in people with ADHD versus people without. And so it's like, because everything seems important, it is, it just gets super overwhelming. You don't know where to start. And that's where a lot of us get into that freeze mode where then we're like, we feel like we physically can't do anything. Right. Mm, And that's how I felt a lot of my life prior to diagnosis. And it definitely does still come up a lot. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, not as frequently. (laughs) Well, and what I found too, is that sometimes it's like, is this autism? 
And there are links to that because it does feel almost like sensory overload sometimes. Do you Mm. feel that way too, Chelsea? I have a lot of sensory issues, I guess we'll say, but Mm -hmm. I actually have not. The things that I've seen about autism, I have not related to other than the sensory, some of the sensory things. Yeah. Which I guess can be tied to ADHD. To be honest, I'm not really sure much of the crossover. Yeah. I'm not either. Each of those lies, but, but I do have some like, like physical touch, sensory input kind of stresses me out. Yeah. Like a lot of different (laughs) physical touch or like how things feel. Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) like I said, can kind of cause me to like fly off the handle, like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. So yeah, it's just interesting because yeah, again, these are all these things that it's like now I'm just able to like better set boundaries, knowing that about myself. And before I would just feel terrible if like my husband tries to give me a hug or somebody tries to touch me and I like jump away or like scream or whatever, you know, I don't know, whatever dramatic, unnecessary reaction I do. I kind of, we've learned to like set boundaries, right? And Mm -hmm. talk about what it can look like so that that doesn't happen, right? And then I'm learning to be less reactive. So Mm. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for going through all that, by the way. Okay, so I know that you have the Habit Edit program. Mm -hmm. And that is really focused in on food, correct? But I've seen you just talk about habits in general of like, okay, people with an ADHD brain, this is what works and what doesn't work based on Mm -hmm. like just general personal development tactics, right? Yes. Yes. So can you just kind of walk us through, you know, what are some general personal development tactics out there that really an ADHD brain needs to modify for it to work Mm -hmm. for them? Yeah. That's a, that's such a good question. Cause that's like, when I, when I first got diagnosed and I was already coaching and already teaching people a certain way, I actually took time off just to do some dedicated research um, and understand this thing better because I knew immediately. And I know a lot of people, I've heard that a lot of entrepreneurs do this. Like when they get their diagnosis, they immediately want to work just with ADHD eaters because it's like, again, we know these people connect with us so much. And so I took some time to kind of research, discover myself and really try and figure out, you know, what next, basically exactly what you're saying. How do I now talk about this not and think about it, not only for myself, but for my clients and everybody else, how to explain this stuff, how to cater it to our brains. A few thoughts that I've had and a few like kind of shifts that I've made. I think, like I said, the one, the one that has really shifted everything for me is I stopped trying to change me. And I said this earlier, but it's, it's so big and it's really been the most, like the biggest change is I stopped trying to change me. And I kind of, I started trying to change the things in my life around me to better fit me. Mm, Okay. Wait, that's good. (laughs) This is I only was just able to put it into words recently. Okay. 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 Go ahead. (laughs) Okay. So (laughs) I, again, it's about more. So I have switched my focus, my focus again, when I got diagnosed, I was like, yes, I can finally be like all these other people and be productive and like yada, yada. And now I'm like, it still didn't work. Right. No, no amount of medication, no amount of force, no amount of discipline is going to change who I am at my core. 
And so what if instead of trying to change who I am, I did that thing where I was saying before, peel back the layers and said, what if I focused on discovering who I am? So the focus then changed from like being, trying to be more disciplined and trying to force myself into certain actions to getting more creative and curious and being like, you know, on a big scale and a small scale. So like a small example, right? Flossing my teeth. Like this is such a micro example, but instead of, I would never floss my teeth. Like, I'm just gonna be honest here. You guys can judge me. It's fine. But I would never floss my teeth. And I was like, what if I brought the floss and like set it in a little side table or underneath my side table in a little bucket by my couch? And I floss my teeth while I sat on the couch and read or scroll my phone or watch TV at night. So that's kind of like a small example where I was saying, where I started making these changes where like, instead of trying to force myself to have more discipline, right. Which is near impossible for people who struggle, struggle with executive dysfunction, which is a big part of ADHD. I started like, how can I change my environment? How can I change the way I look at this? Right. In a bigger scale way, like changing my relationships, right changing my boundaries and what other people's expectations are of me. So I, I was, (laughs) I'm still really bad at communication. I'm not going to lie. That's not a strong suit of mine, but instead of, I was always just like so much shame and was just like always feeling so bad and starting every text with, sorry, I haven't responded. It's been like a hundred years, you know, every email, Mm -hmm. every DM, everything. Now in my life, I set the expectation with people like, Hey, I really love you so much and I care about you so much, but I don't text in the same way that you do, right? I, this is how I operate. So can you accept this? Is this something you're willing to work with? Can we meet somewhere in the middle, right? Not saying Mm -hmm. like the whole world has to change and everybody has to lower their expectations for me, but seeing if there's a place we can meet in the middle and just honoring my natural self a little bit more and letting go of this is the way I should be just because everybody else is this way. And society says we should be this way. Right. So maybe it's that rebel side too combined. (laughs) No, I mean, it's so smart. And this is kind of where I I've been in my journey is, you know, I guess it was like 2020, I was really honing in on um, the model and thought work. And Mm -hmm. even though I'd been a coach for years and done that work of like that one tool and really using it and following the life coach school and Brooke Castillo, who I love, but I just saw, I was like, Oh, it's just like, even for example, like generating discipline, we'll just change your thoughts. And I was like, but I, there's just, I'm stuck. I'm just like stuck here. There's something off here. Mm -hmm. Um, and so then it opened the doors of like so many other things of where I'm at today, but like you said, it, it is, it's like this ongoing ableism. We're constantly being fed. And when mm-hmm. you just start to shift your mind just a little bit of, okay, maybe this is something else. Right. And then maybe right now you're listening to this podcast and it's like, maybe it's ADHD and then realizing, okay, how am I going to get the world to work for me? Because generally speaking, the world is neurotypical. And mm-hmm. so we have to go in and say, how am I going to make this work? And that's why I love your work, Chelsea, um, because you've done so many great posts too on Instagram of just like how to shift things. And I've been like, oh shit, like especially <laughs> doing like the DEI work and the anti-racism, like I want to be inclusive. I want to make sure I'm not perpetuating ableism. 
you know, this is why um, I need to do this work. And even you said, you know, you took some months off after your diagnosis to like really reflect. And that's what I'm doing as well of like, okay, Mm -hmm. I need to first incorporate this in my life. And then how am I going to incorporate this with my clients? So I just, I love what you're doing. And I even see all the stuff you're doing with food. Mm-hmm. That's been such an overwhelming thing for me that I just do a food service, but I don't mm-hmm. love the food. I don't love right. it. And when I see how right. you're doing all that stuff, I'm like, okay, maybe this like could actually like be the thing that allows <laughs> me not to feel overwhelmed with food. Right. Right. And yeah. And, yeah. and I, it's funny you say that too, because I also previous to my diagnosis was following Brooke Castillo and just change your thoughts to have more discipline and use the urge jar and all that. And I still love the urge jar. I still think it's very fun, but like it was, it's almost been this big experiment of surrender. Like how Mm. much can I let go and allow myself to really be who I am and see what happens, like what kind of magic happens then. Right. And so it's been this surrender in my work life, but it's also been something that I've really surrendered to as far as my eating habits as well. And I really haven't focused on discipline. Whereas I used to think that was something that was really important and crucial. And now I haven't focused on it in a really long time. And I've realized like, wow, I don't really need it. (laughs) I don't really need discipline. My body will naturally kind of balance out and the choices kind of naturally balance out. And so it's been this huge paradigm shift for me mentally, just like, you know, I mean, so many things come up for me as you say that it goes back to what you said earlier of like, I'm changing the world instead of me. Right. So here I am world. How are you going to fit me? How are you going to work for me versus me working for the world? And two, when I hear surrender, I'm like, oh, she's stepping into her feminine power Mm. in essence versus like this masculine capitalism, patriarchy, go, go, go. Right. You're like, I trust myself. I will show up for myself, but I'm not going to show up in the way that you've taught me that I need to show up in this world. Yes. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I never made that connection to the feminine, but that is really true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Flow, surrender, trust. It's been a lot. It's been a lot of trust. Yeah. And I think for people with ADHD, we've really beat ourselves up with that. You even said it. It's like, I didn't trust myself. Yeah. Because you're yeah. like, Oh my God, I, I'm, you know, sometimes these things fall through the cracks or whatever. Um, yeah, so yeah that's great. All right. So Chelsea, tell us more about the habit edit and on your podcast and all the things. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So the habit edit is the first health and mindset coaching membership exclusively for women with ADHD. And hopefully not the last because we need all kinds of people coaching people with ADHD. Um, But what it is, is basically what we've been talking about, kind of putting it into practice with health habits. And you can do it with any kind of habit, of course, but my specialty is health and nutrition. And I specifically work with tend to work with women who struggle with the same going back and forth, that all or nothing thinking with food, right? Finding that place in the middle, like I said, where you're kind of surrendering and letting go and figuring out what habits work for you. So exactly like you said, you're like the food delivery service. I do that because it's easy, which by the way, I love when clients do that. I'm like, yes, like you get to decide how much effort and time you put into it. But you know, it's just about finding what works for you. So it's me guiding you through that experience of, of learning how to find the habits that fit in your life versus me saying, this is what worked for me here. You try this, right? Mm. So it's a lot of mindset work. 
It's completely self-paced and it's a membership style. So there's live coaching calls, there's curriculum that you do on your own time. And essentially you just get to work your way through different health habits that you want to implement in an ADHD friendly way. So we kind of do them one at a time, but you get to choose, right? Again, that rebel, I don't want to choose for you. So you get to choose what habits you're editing and changing. And it's kind of this thing where they stack over time and you look back and realize, wow, I'm doing all these things that I wasn't doing six, eight, nine months ago, however long, right? Yeah. So it's been really fun to create and to welcome people in. It's really, it's brand new right now. So it's been super fun to go through the experience of starting a membership and growing a community of other ADHD women. So yeah, there's that. And then there's my podcast, which is Vibrancy with ADHD. Yeah. And it's all basically just about finding ways to something we didn't talk about a whole lot, but is infusing a lot of fun and joy into my life too, versus so much force and discipline, right. And teaching other ADHD women to do the same. Yeah. Again, that feminine power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's the one thing I remember that I loved about you, Chelsea, when I found you on Instagram was like, yeah, it was just this feeling of like, here's like a woman, like a powerful woman kind of thing. <laughs> um, yeah. I just love that about you. Okay. Tell them your Instagram handle too. It is bright light Chelsea. So like bright light Chelsea. Perfect. I'm and we'll sure. have all I'm the sure. links in the show notes. Of course. Yeah, um, <laughs> but Chelsea, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. I appreciate you having me on. Of course.